Today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, pilots from several airlines have voted to strike. What does it mean for travelers this summer? Airfares were down slightly in April. Is the beginning of a trend? Details next in the news. Passing through customs on your way in or out of the country always causes a bit of anxiety. What can you do to prepare yourself for the encounter with a customs agent? We talk you through it in our Smarter Traveler segment at 320. Carnival in San Francisco is coming over Memorial Day weekend. It's its 45th time. We have details on this all-for-free festival in the city at 335. Chris Elliott, consumer advocate, joins us at 345 to discuss the automation of the travel industry and how it's eliminating customer service options, the difficulty of getting customer refunds, and the importance of being patient, persistent, and polite while presenting your case. It's a busy information-filled hour designed to help make you a smarter traveler. Thank you for spending part of your Sunday afternoon with the Travel Guys. On the road again, I've been everywhere, man. Get your kicks. friends first of all happy mother's day we are mark and tom the travel and entertainment guys brought to you by sports leisure vacations no we didn't forget it was mother's day of course not no we did not we did not yeah i already i already did brunch this morning and yeah we're doing we're doing a, a dinner at home with the ladies at, later tonight i'm exhausted already speaking of ladies one of our female listeners Sent me a present while I was on the road. Yeah, and, yeah. It's it's kind of nice it's, letter to go with it. It's kind of cool. She said, "says Mark and Tom, I've been listening to your travel show on Sunday afternoons for many years. Uh, even scheduling my work and and walks and around your show, I've learned so much from listening to you. My husband and I have traveled a little since retirement. So all your tips and knowledge is so helpful. Love your closing line." Dance like nobody's watching. So she sent along this gift, um, this cute little, I don't know, what would you call this, a placard, kind of a wooden It's placard? a plaque, a, yeah. a sign. Yeah, yeah it's a little a thing sign. you put on the wall. It says, I danced like no one was watching, but someone was watching, thought I was having a seizure and called an ambulance. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that's beautiful. Thank you to yeah. Nancy for her thoughtful note. and Yes, um, Nancy. And the unlimited amount of money that she spent on this lovely gift, and um, everyone in the office got a kick out of it, and um, and thought I and called an ambulance. Anyways, um, hope you had a good week, Mr. Romano. I did, I did. Uh, you know, slowly but surely, uh, trying to prepare for the uh, the hot weather, and it has arrived. So we'll just kind of uh, grit and bear it, and appreciate the fact that this is part of what uh, California, Sacramento, Rancho life is. Uh, is really all about this is us. what keeps the rest of the people in the country from moving here is what happens over the next four months because they think humidity 
the risk of hurricanes and other assorted natural disasters is better than the heat in California. So don't tell them any different. When I go back east, I tell my relatives, oh, you you wouldn't want to be out here in the summertime. You see it on TV, 100, 102, every single day. I mean, some days it's like 110 for a week at a time. You wouldn't want to, wouldn't want to come for this. And they're like, oh, yeah, that must be awful. Meanwhile, they're sitting in 90, 90 temperature humidity in missouri which is wet which i just have to tell you is way worse than anything i do i don't know about you but i don't do humidity well at all uh, yeah i've spent a, enough time in uh, san antonio during some of the oh hot humid weather where it's still 100 degrees at midnight and yep. sticky wet well anyway uh speaking of weather this is semi-unrelated uh did you feel the earthquake i did not i did not See, it didn't happen. I didn't feel it either. So as far as we're concerned, they're just making this stuff up. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fake news, unless you live somewhere within 100 miles or so of the earthquake itself. (laughs) And then and they're talking about, you know, is this is just this the the settling of the fault or is this the fault getting ready to let off some some more energy? That's the great thing about earthquakes is you don't know when they're coming pretty much. So. Um, good luck to everyone. Anyways, we got a travel show to do, so we better, probably better get on with it. All right, let's do that. At the top of every Travel Guys radio program, we bring you up to date on the travel news. And with said travel news, yes, said Mark Hoffman. And the thankful cue there of the travel news theme from our somewhat crazy engineer, Caitlin. Um, you're... <laughs> you are so welcome. Anyways, uh, let's see the first story here. Could pilot strikes disrupt summer travelers? Several air- groups of airline pilots from several carriers have taken strike votes. If you remember, Delta Airlines pilots got a great new contract early in the year. Their contract says if anybody else gets a better contract, our contract automatically becomes better than theirs. I'm not sure where this all ends, but um, I know who pays for it ultimately in the end. But anyhow, United and Southwest now have voted um, to strike, and let's see, American, too, I believe. Uh, Here's the deal. Don't get too excited. Some things would have to happen before there was a strike. Um, There hasn't been a strike for a number of years. Um, This is somewhat posturing. There would have to be mediation. There would have to be a 30-day cooling-off period. So you would know that this was coming. It's not going to happen tomorrow or the next day. So go on about your airline travel for now. Watch this space, and we'll let you know um, down the road if this becomes a little bit more of an issue. Right now, it's a collective bargaining tactic by all of the pilot groups. And um, and the American folks have said that they anticipate having a contract soon. As soon as one more of them comes up with an agreement, I predict you'll see them, all of the rest of them fall in line. Domestic airfare prices were down about 2% in April. International flight prices were up about 3% in April. That would be about what I would expect. International travel has been pretty much disrupted by COVID for the last three years. So people are hot to get overseas. The airline ticket prices reflect that. We're seeing a little bit of weakness in domestic flights. And some people think, including our guest in the second half of the hour, Mr. Christopher Elliott, that perhaps that might preclude a little softening of prices domestically by the end of the summer. We will see. Alaska Airlines, a few years ago, painted one of their airplanes in a beautiful, had a beautiful salmon portrait on the side of it. The whole entire fish, and when you think about an airplane 
and the shape of it, a fish is the perfect thing to put on the side because they're both sure. kind of similar shapes. So Alaska decided that uh, this one was had, had run its course, and they have repainted a, another plane with a salmon-like livery on the on the side of it, and it's really cool. If it comes to Sacramento and you happen to see it, um, you'll know immediately. It's kind of a Native American sort of as as opposed to a physical fish. It's uh, the type of things that you would see on a totem pole, for example. So Native American drawings and and things that that represent different things along the way. I contacted Alaska Airlines to see if I could get um, their, the 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 drawings on the side of the airplane must mean something. They're not completely random. So we'll see if we can find out what those uh, might be. But anyway, Alaska Airlines has a brand new plane. A new study is revealing the current state of airline customer satisfaction. What do you suppose that is? <laughs> oh, what is customer satisfaction? I don't know. I've never heard of that before. Uh, with airline, exactly, exactly. You'd have to have something to be satisfied or unsatisfied about when it comes to customer service. And as Chris is going to address in the second half of the program, um, customer service at airlines is expensive. And it's going away. Um, the, the scores are really very low. Um, Delta Airlines finished first. Um, JetBlue is first in. Well, JetBlue, JetBlue is first in the business first class segment. Um, Delta is first in the economy segment. Um, in the basic economy segment, Delta or uh, Southwest Airlines came in first. So no real surprises here. Just that the scores are very low. Um, so it basically tells you that no matter who's first, who's first, second, third, or fourth, not much of anybody is really happy doing business with an airline. There's not too many things about doing business with an airline that makes people jump up and down for joy. So perhaps the airlines care about that. Perhaps I'm going to suggest you mostly they don't. As long as the money keeps flowing in, they'll be okay. A good report here on from WalletHub about credit cards. And I found this kind of interesting, Tom. 57% of Americans wouldn't feel safe traveling abroad without a credit card, which means to me that 43% would be okay traveling abroad without a credit card. I can't imagine leaving the country without a working credit card. So many things have become cash only and exchanging money in foreign countries and the like. It just seems like that um, having a credit card or two or three, particularly one that doesn't travel, that doesn't charge exchange uh, surcharges mm-hmm. when you're changing currency from one country to another, um, roughly two in people don't realize Foreign exchange fees can apply without foreign travel. In other words, you can buy something from a foreign country over your credit card and be charged a foreign exchange fee unless you have a card that doesn't charge those fees. Anyways, it's a follow-up on a story that we did a couple of weeks ago talking about um, foreign exchange fees on credit cards and the like. If you're going overseas, the bottom line to all of this is that you need to have a card that doesn't charge fees and gives you a fair exchange rate. If you remember when we talked about it, there's two sides here. Um, no, no exchange fee doesn't always mean that you're getting a fair exchange rate. So you want to check both of those things when you're dealing with 
international currency. This was a big story this week. You might have heard about it. The president said that his administration will write new regulations that will require airlines to compensate air travels, cover their their compensate air travelers and cover their meals and hotel rooms if they're stranded for reasons within the airline's control. So if the airline cancels a flight at night because the plane doesn't work, then they have to take care of you. Nothing here about what happens if the weather's bad. So this isn't really an, a Rule 261 from the European Union, where over there their, their people are pretty much re- protected regardless. But this would be a step in the right direction. Uh, frankly, an airline can't control the weather, so I don't see where they should be responsible for that. But if the plane breaks down or they have crew scheduling issues or things like that that cause your plane to be late earlier in the day, that causes... Uh, you a misconnection or something later in the day, the airline should be responsible for that. I mean, that that's just good business practices. And it seems to me like that holding their – if we have to hold their feet to the fire, this will not happen next week. If it is going to happen, it will take several years most likely to get through the process. But at least it's a step in the right direction. At least it appears as though – uh, the current administration is listening to airline passengers in all of our tales of woe. Whether or not they are going to do anything about it, that's a whole other thing. Politicians are big on on pontificating about mm-hmm. prospects of things getting done. Not so good on getting them done, so we'll see what happens. This is not really travel-related, but I thought it was fun. 2023's Best and Worst Cities for Basketball Fans. Uh-huh. Um, since we just had a run here in Sacramento and the whole country was talking about how crazy yeah. the people yeah. in Sacramento were. We finished 25th oh, on a list of about 400 basketball bogus, cities. Bogus review. Uh, bogus review. You want to know who's at the top? Uh, top The top what? city. This is going to really be painful. This is really going to be painful. Know. Yeah, I don't want to know. Um, their, the, the nickname of their basketball team is the Lakers. Um, yeah, I knew that was coming. Yeah, then Boston, San Francisco, Philadelphia, and Salt Lake City. They've always been very fond of the Jazz. Lots of criteria, including cost of tickets, uh, attendance, um, availability of tickets. Um, nothing here about cowbells, so I'm suggesting that Sacramento would have finished much higher if there had been a cowbell <laughs> quotient in the uh, in the figuring. And one last little story here. The beautiful lodge at Hurricane Ridge in Olympic National Park uh, in Wash- the state of Washington burned to the ground um, last weekend. Kind of sad. Uh, it wasn't a lodge you could stay at, but it was kind of a day-tripper lodge where um, you could get souvenirs and refreshments and uh, food and stuff like that. They say that they are going to rebuild it. It was constructed in the 1950s. So if you are visiting Olympic National Park this summer, Hurricane Ridge Lodge is no more and that is your travel news for today all right we are the travel guys don't forget to go to travelguysradio.com for stuff that we talk about here on the radio links to our special guests and more all right what can you do to be prepared for your encounter with the customs agent when you travel overseas and don't forget if you uh want to get a question answered by the travel guys uh, either you know, personally or on radio when we do the mailbag. All you got to do is post your question at TravelGuysRadio.com and we'll, uh, we'll either send you an answer right then and there or when we do the mailbag, we'll, we'll answer it on the radio. Say your name, make you, make you popular. Okay, Mark, uh, I'm yes, planning sir. on uh, 
planning on going over overseas. I'm going to leave the country here, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty anxious about See ya. Uh, about all of that. Yeah, I knew you. That's how you would feel. <laughs> yeah, actually, so, your, so, your wife and I have been talking, and uh, yeah. <laughs> You're going to send me off to Italy to never yeah, that, return. That short trip you were going to take, yeah, well, yeah. We, we, we just did the one-way thing on the airline ticket. So so, you know. so, so, what can I do to prepare myself for uh, the encounters that I might have with the, with the customs agent? Well, it, it, to a lot of people, this is really intimidating. I know our company takes people on international tours uh six, eight, ten times a year, including Canada, which, of course, people forget that Canada is another country and that you have oh, to yeah. pass through. Um, Mexico, there, too? Yeah, exactly. There are two ways to clear customs. Um, you can, in, For some countries, you can pre-clear um, on the outbound or, and or the return, which means that you're, you're cleared before you leave the country. Like in Canada... You're, before you get on the airplane, you pass through customs so that when you get to the United States, in most cases, you just get off the plane and you're, you're here. Um, you don't have to go through any other regulatory things or anything like that. In many countries, it's much slower and more arduous, and it tends to give people anxiety and freak them out. There's no reason for that, really, um, except that it's... You know, it's law enforcement, and people are always afraid that they're going to do the wrong thing. The best thing that you can do is to be prepared. There's nothing worse than having uh, – you're standing in line for 20 minutes to get to the front of an immigration's counter, and you get up there, and the person in front of you doesn't have – this happens at TSA, too, and when you're trying to clear – you've been standing in line for a long time, and the person gets up there, and they don't have their ID out or their porting pass ready. And it's like, what were you doing the last 20 minutes? I mean, talking on your phone or or whatever. So it's really important to have all of your documents ready. The other thing this does is it shows the customs person that you have your act together. And rather than trying to fumble around and stuff like that, all you're giving them is an excuse. If you can't find your documents, then how come you can't find your documents? Um, Just have them ready to go. You want your boarding pass. You want your ID, um, whether it's your driver's license, your passport, whatever it is it is required. If it's international travel, most likely a passport. And you may have a visa. The visa may be attached to your passport. It may be a separate document depending on where you're going. But all of those things should either be – you should be pre- prepared to hand those to the agent on a moment's notice. You should have them either in your hand or, or ready. You need to declare things that you're bringing home if you're coming back into the United States um, so that you'll know if any of them are things that you have to pay duties on. Um, You want to declare all of your food because just like when you're coming back from Hawaii, um, there are certain processes you need to go through to make sure that you're bringing things back that are not – don't represent a threat to the United States. Um, if you happen to be carrying a tremendous amount of currency, more than $10,000 or more, you're doing some kind of a business deal or something like that and you needed the currency, then you need to be able – you have to report that entering and leaving the country. Um, these are all things that, that you need to know. You can also – there are things that you can do. You can monitor wait times at the border from a website. Um, there is a visa waiver program that you can get into. There are trusted traveler programs. Um, travelers United 
has really posted a terrific article that outlines all of this stuff. Our friend Charlie Leoka and his uh, folks at Travelers United, if you go to TravelGuysRadio.com and you look at the list of links that we have there, should be right at the top um, where you can you can link to this particular article. And within this article, there are a number of links to websites that will help you if you are about to head out on an international trip and help make your pass through customs or immigration much simpler. Well, all right. Uh, good information. I mean, uh, you were talking earlier about the fumbling, people fumbling around trying to get their stuff together. You know, I, I would bet you those that uh, that you see doing that, their their problems go cut a lot deeper than than you might know. They just they're they're that just as a as a rule. There are people who perhaps are just not as organized as uh, as some. You know, uh, you, sometimes think, they're probably. I, I'd be I'd be worried about them leaving the country. If, you'd think you'd think folks would um, that that would be a no brainer sort of thing, but for some reason it isn't. Like I say, it happens. Every day uh, here in our country, you know, people get up to the TSA agent who fly frequently and are shocked as hell when the TSA agent asks them for either their boarding pass or their ID. Um, some places it's one and some places it's the other and some places it's both. So you just should have those two items ready. When you're approaching, you can always put whichever one is not needed back into your pocket. Also, um, internationally, we didn't talk here about traveling with pets. Um Pets have to be healthy and disease-free, obviously. Um, the dog owners need proof of rabies vaccination. So these are all things. If you're planning on traveling with a pet internationally, it's a little more complicated than it is domestically. So not only getting it on and off of the plane, but getting it in and out of the country. So make sure if you're planning on taking a pet that you allow yourself plenty of advanced time. So if there's anything that you have to do, any documentation or shots or anything, you have time to do those things. And uh, also keep in mind that pre-check is for domestic flights only. Yeah. Uh, there is no uh, pre-check for TSA on uh, international flights. Is that right, no, Mark? That's correct. But there are some things that you can do, some lines that if you have your inf- the right information and stuff like that, that, you- that can give you some line cuts in some places. So that, tra- that uh, Travelers United article at TravelGuysRadio.com will help you a lot. You know, it's been around for about 45 years. Surprisingly, Mark and I have not been to Carnival in San Francisco. And our guest today, we're going to be talking about 45 years of music and movement. It's Carnival San Francisco. Executive Director Rodrigo Duran joins us. Rodrigo, thank you so much for uh, being with us here on The Travel Guys. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm really excited to be here. Rodrigo, um, this is an event, as Tom mentioned, that's been going on in San Francisco for 45 years. It's on Memorial Day weekend. Tell us a little bit about Carnival San Francisco. Yeah, it's um, Memorial Day weekend on both days, actually, May 27th and May 28th. And I'll explain uh, why. So we are celebrating 45 years uh, in 1978. A group of artists, musicians, activists, and residents in the Mission District really wanted to highlight the cultures from all over Latin America and the Caribbean. And from that, a grouping of people and ideas came Carnival San Francisco. 
And then on Sunday only, there's a grand parade that goes around the neighborhood. Together, we bring about 400,000 people. And again, wow. we're, we're ready to celebrate. Is the parade a ticketed event? Everything's 100% free. There is a section in the grand parade. If you want the best seating at the grandstand seating, then yes, you pay. But otherwise, the street is all yours. Both festival and parade are free. And who, who attends this event, Rodrigo? Well, we pride ourselves in being the largest and longest-running multicultural celebration. You know, that being said, yes, there's a really strong presence of uh, Latin community, Latino community, uh, Caribbean community, both the Spanish-speaking and English-speaking uh, Caribbeans. But really, it's San Francisco. At the end of the day, you know, you have really a mixture of, you know, Asian folks, white folks, black folks, you know, and everything in between. You know, it's really a crazy spectrum of colors, of music, of sounds and foods. Our special guest here on The Travel Guys, Rodrigo Duran. He is the executive director of the uh, Carnival San Francisco, celebrating 45 years of music and movement. Rodrigo, like a lot of parades in San Francisco, uh, people can just, uh, they can come to the parade, but they can also join in. Is this a join-in parade, or are these people that are in the parade, they sign up ahead of time, and it's designated parade people? They sign up ahead of time, and I'll tell you why. The minute Carnival in San Francisco is over, those dance contingents, those dance groups, start preparing for the next one. Uh, so it, it's a year-long process, and we're talking about 65-plus dance groups that range from either 30 performers to 300. Mm-hmm. And so they take their time to really prepare. And not only are they from San Francisco, the groups, they're from Sacramento. They are from San Jose. Some even come from L.A., San Diego, and then internationally, we have groups that fly from Bolivia, from Colombia, from Brazil, just to be part of our carnival. Wow. Okay. Carnival in San Francisco. It is Memorial Day weekend, the 27th and the 28th. If you have an interest in this event, I mean, I, if you go to the website, you will see that one thing that, that they are absolutely known for is color. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're looking for something to do on Memorial Day weekend or you're already going to be in San Francisco, um, this is on Saturday and Sunday. Go to TravelGuysRadio.com. We will have a link there so that you can find out all about the event. As Rodrigo said, it's free. So free is a good word. Lots of food, lots of music, <laughs> lots of fun. Rodrigo, thanks for giving us a few minutes on the Travel Guys today. Yeah, come on over. We have two wonderful headliners. So make sure to check them out on your website and move and groove over here with La Sonora Dinamita and Los Van Van. Sounds like a pretty hot Memorial Day weekend time. I was surprised, Tom, to hear that this festival had been going on for almost half a century. You know, uh, (laughs) I'm sure I've heard of it before. Never had a chance to to, to go, but yeah. Uh, Here again... He mentioned 450,000 people mm-hmm. uh, that will line up to, to, to enjoy this parade. And uh, you would think that that's got to be, you know, kind of one of the biggest. Uh, I mean, it's like uh, Giants winning the World Series size parade. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So anyway, something fun to do on Memorial Day in San Francisco, if you wish. One of our good buddies is coming up next here. Chris Elliott joins us, consumer advocate 
It's so great to have him back on the air with us, our nomad traveler and consumer advocate worldwide, Chris Elliott. Welcome back to the Travel Guys, my friend. Hello, Travel Guys. How are you doing? We are we are doing well. You are joining us from Christchurch, New Zealand, if I am correct. That's correct. Yes, I'm in Christchurch, and we're having a lovely fall here. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because you're on the other side of the of the equator. Well, we're about to uh, we're having a, 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 a kind of an interesting spring here. We got a lot of snow in the mountains, so we're all hoping that the weather doesn't warm up too fast, or we're all going to drown. So, drought is is definitely definitely open in California. I'm Chris, I wanted to talk to you about a few that you've opined upon uh, lately at um, Elliott Confidential and remind folks that uh, you have a website, you have a, a membership um, where, where folks can join and get all kinds of inside information. We will have a link to that at TravelGuysRadio.com. So if you're interested in getting what Chris has to say on a variety of travel subjects and more and also access to his consumer advocacy, why you can go to TravelGuysRadio.com and click on the link. Chris, um, the first subject here that, that I wanted to talk about is you are talking about how the travel industry is rapidly going self-serve, which in some cases is probably okay, but in some cases not so much. As a man who travels frequently with a group of mature travelers who aren't always up to date on the latest technology that the travel industry wants us to use, it is a little bit of a challenge for us traveling sometimes. And you talked a little bit about how maybe this self-service thing is moving a little bit too fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, it's. I think it is moving a little quickly. It's been going on for a while now. I mean, we've seen the self-service kiosks that have popped up at the airport. They've been around for at least 10 years. But uh, I would say Frontier really stepped it up a little bit, moved it up a notch, whatever you want to call it, uh, when it decided that it was uh, going to um, close its call center. They did that last year. And so now you can't call Frontier if you have a customer service issue. You have to go online and you have to text it or go to Twitter or whatever the online option is. You can't call. And so for a lot of people, they like picking up the phone and talking to uh, an airline. They can't do that anymore. It's not possible. Um, And then, not to be outdone by Frontier, you had Alaska Airlines that decided to actually take out some of its kiosks, and now you have to use its app to check in on that. Now, you can still use a human to check in. They still have agents there, but they're trying to get as many people to use the the app as possible because they say that's going to save money, it's going to make things faster. But I also think that, as you say, there are some maybe older customers or people who have disabilities or people even who don't have a phone who are going to say to themselves, this is crazy. I cannot check into my flight. It, it is more than a than a little bit of craziness. Also, Chris, I haven't seen this for myself, but I understand from people now that if you want to speak to a front to, to an agent at the Frontier ticket counter, there's a $20 fee for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, absolutely true. So, I, I talked to Frontier about this. <laughs> And, and they, they basically said, look, when you're booking, you have to indicate whether you need to use a real person to check in. And if you do, we'll charge you $20 extra. Yep. Wow. Wow. Yes, Tom, that's that's that, that's that's the latest. It's crazy stuff. So we're seeing more and more of this self-serve stuff. Obviously, hotels want us to check in. They even want us to use our phone as the key. There have been some people who have suggested there might be some some minimal security issues with that. 
is the travel industry leaving some people behind or is or are they not concerned about that because the cost savings is so terrific? The cost savings is terrific. Uh, I talked to someone who provided these services, these self-service options to hotels, and he said they are almost literally salivating with all the cost savings that they're going to have. So the hotel people love it. Uh, the customers don't love it so much because when they arrive and they're faced with a, a row of kiosks instead of uh, a human to check them in, and they can't check in because maybe they don't have uh, the app downloaded correctly, or maybe they can't type in the room number or the reservation number or the reservation number is not recognized. That's when things get really difficult for them, and they're, they're not happy with that at all. I mean, I tried to check in uh, at one of these places in London recently, and it didn't recognize my reservation number, and I had to call someone over and get help. But what if someone isn't there to help you? And that's the real thing. What if they decide to, to cut back on their staff because it's going to save them money, and suddenly there's no one there to assist you, and you can't check in? I have to jump in here. You know, uh, this, this appears that uh, a lot of these companies that are going to this no-service, self-service is looking at the future and the young people who are so in tune to their devices that checking in and doing all of this is no big deal because they do it every day. And they've gotten to the point where, you know, the older generation that's not into that, they're going to soon be gone. And uh, we have to look to the future. But what happens when well, I mean, someday when the technology doesn't work? I mean, we, we all, I'm not talking about a Southwest style meltdown, but I'm just talking about somebody's computer system goes down for an hour or an hour and a half one morning. And now what the hell do you do? I agree with you guys. This is um, there needs to be a redundant system somewhere. I mean, exactly what, what's going to happen if you uh, if the system goes down or even if someone is unable to use it. I mean, look at grocery stores, for example. There's always there, there needs to always be an option to use the, the checkout counter, the cashier, um, in addition to the self-service, no, because there's always going to be someone who won't be able to use the scanner or maybe someone who's disabled. And I think getting rid of that option is really problematic. I agree. We also have a few people on the planet who are just not all that smart. <laughs> and so, you know, they're always those folks are always going to need a, a, a hand or it's something that they haven't, you know, as you mentioned, you haven't been exposed to. All right. Let's let let's move on. We've pontificated enough about that. Um, Chris, you talk about the, the difficulty now in getting travel companies in particular to stick to their word, to do what they've told you that they're going to do. You use an example of somebody checking into a VRBO uh, vacation home, trying to check in, and there's already somebody there or, you know, and now mm -hmm. you've so they say you call them, they say, oh, well, here, uh, go use this place, get a hotel, send us the bill. Uh, but then you can never get your money back. We, of course, have had this issue with airlines and stuff. What do what what do people do? With travel, with travel entities that, that take their money and when they owe it, they won't give it back. Well, I should preface this answer by saying you're referring to a story that appeared on my subscription newsletter, Elliot yeah. Confidential. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I actually, I just want to let everyone know I'm having a really big sale on subscriptions this week, just this week. So you're going to get 40% off if you subscribe. But um, it, it, I put all of my really my best stuff into this newsletter and really insidery stuff that will help you be a better traveler. And this particular story was one that I was very proud of because it was a team effort. My entire uh, crew worked on this one. 
and we had someone who stayed at a VRBO. And when they arrived, there was someone already in it. They were staying in a VRBO in Kissimmee, Florida. And so VRBO agreed to refund them. And then it took a whole year between the time that they were, that they agreed to a refund and the time that we helped them get their money back. And the point of the whole story was that these companies are, they're not equipped to, they don't want to give you your money back. They're trying to hold on to it. They're doing everything they can to hold on to it. And they're telling you something different. They're saying, oh, don't worry, we'll give you your money back or we'll pay you or whatever. And unfortunately, that is not happening. The way to get your money back is, you know, you got to go all Elliott method on them, which is be patient, persistent, and polite and apply lots of very gentle pressure. Sometimes you got to social media shame them. Sometimes just an, a regular email sent to the company will get them to finally do what they want to. Turns out with these guys, they asked for the same information three times. They had to give them their hotel bill and, and send that to them. And they finally, finally paid them what they were owed. But I'm telling you, it's companies don't increasingly, I find, are just digging their heels in. They do not want to pay the money that, that you're owed. They don't want to give people refunds. And so they're keeping people like us, us consumer advocates, extremely busy. We're talking with consumer advocate Christopher Elliott, who is joining us all the way from Christchurch, New Zealand. And we're talking about how to get your money back when a company admits that it owes you. Chris, a little sidebar here. I had a, a motor coach company in New York that owed me a $108 refund uh, for a group that was there and some work that they did for us. And I said, well, just send me a check. And they said, well, um, you realize we have a $150 charge to issue a refund. And um, <laughs> so meaning of meaning effectively that they could keep my money if it was less than one hundred and fifty dollars. And so uh, you are correct, sir. Uh, one of the methods uh, to get people's attention is to go on social media. This these folks had a Facebook page. So I went on it and said to all of you out there who are thinking about using this company, please be aware that they have this policy that they have slipped in that basically if they they're going to charge you $150 to make a refund took an hour and a half. And I got a phone call and was told that the money had been refunded to my credit card. So yes, the social media thing, it does. The social media thing does, does work. Or even I have found, and, and again, I've learned this from you with the polite, persistent pressure. And it's just, you know, if you can't, we can't resolve this, then tomorrow morning I'm going to take to social media and I'm going to see if I can get someone else in your organization's attention, and I'm going to re- try to resolve it that way. Now, and you- many times, even the the suggestion that that's what you're going to do. So it's 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 something else that those of us who are consumers can put in our arsenal, because apparently uh, companies are they're con- they would they don't have any hesitation out of screwing you out of a hundred dollars. But if you want to make it public that they've done that, then they really would prefer not to have to deal with that. One of the worst policies is that if you're owed a refund, that it has to go to the original form of payment. And, you know, people cancel credit cards all the time. There's credit card fraud, or maybe uh, they would prefer to have it issued, uh, the payment issued as a check. Uh, and, and they say, no, that no, we can't do that. It has to be to the original card. And so if the card was canceled, then they just get to keep the money, which is ridiculous. It is. I agree. Chris, we've, we're running out of time here. I got 60 seconds. Um, you talked about that perhaps folks who are making vacation reservations, if you're thinking of going later in the summer, maybe hold off a little bit that prices might be softening. They are. 
in August, uh, late July, I'm finding that prices are getting a little bit lower. Demand is softening. So if you wait a little while, instead of booking right now, you might find a deal. Well, that is from the man who watches travel because it's his life. Please say hello to uh, the two young gentlemen, your two sons who are traveling with you. And uh, you guys travel safely. You tell me you're going back to Australia. So we'll probably try to catch up with you there next. Thank you, Chris, for your time. You're welcome. So our buddy Christopher Elliott, halfway around the world. You know what's amazing, Tom? That he was talking to us from New Zealand, and we've I've had we've had interviews that we've done from San Francisco, where the quality of the of the audio isn't as good as it was all the way from New Zealand. So this is true. Well, uh, Chris is a pro, and uh, he makes sure that he sounds as good as he possibly can. We appreciate that very much. Yeah, well, and there's the challenge of being uh, 13 hours apart, and us having a hard time getting all of that figured out, and calling him at the right time, and all that jazz. He's always um, very, uh, very generous with his time. So if, if really and seriously, if you have a consumer problem, it doesn't just relate to travel, but you can go to Elliot.org, two L's and two T's, and there you can find all kinds of self-help items. Chris has the, uh, the email of every major airline's top executive posted on his website. So, I mean, if there, if you need to get somebody's attention, that's a place to do it. And if you, you know, throw a few shekels in the kitty, why then you can get uh, on Chris's mailing list and get all of his stuff, which like travel guys on the radio will make you a much smarter traveler when it comes time to take off. Okay. I have a little, uh, a little salute to mothers here. A mother's right. day story. Very good. <clears throat> Hope I can get through it. It's called the right. dress. The dress. The dress. Do you like my dress? The little girl asked of the stranger outside church on a Sunday in May. My mommy made it just for me, she said, with a tear twinkling in her eye. Well, I think it's very pretty, said the stranger. So tell me, little one, why are you crying? With a quiver in her voice, the little girl answered, After mommy made me this dress, she had to go away. My daddy said that mommy's up in heaven now with grandpa. The woman realized what the child meant and why she was crying. She paused, and the little girl touched her sleeve. Lady, can I show you something? Of course, she answered. What would you want me to see? Pointing to a spot in her dress, she said, Right here is where Mommy kissed my dress, and here, pointing to another spot, and here is another kiss, and here, and here. Mommy said she put all these kisses on my dress, so I would have her kisses for every boo-boo that makes me cry. Then the lady realized she wasn't just looking at a dress. She was looking at a gift from a mother who knew she was going away and would not be there to kiss away the hurts that her daughter would encounter. So she took all the love she had for her beautiful little girl and put them into the dress that her child now proudly wore, ensuring her daughter would be wrapped in her mother's love. And finally, on a personal Mother's Day note, a salute to the mom who got on a train in Boulder, Colorado with two small children, one of them an infant, in 1959, in search of a better life for her and her children. I just want to say thank you, Mom, for having the courage to make that decision so many years ago who could have known then it would work out just the way that you hoped well thanks a lot for making me cry at the end of the show mark okay that was that was really good okay yeah happy mother's day to all the moms out there and all the women who have influenced the lives of kids and others along the way. Thank you very much, and happy Mother's Day to you all. Dance like nobody's watching. Thank you, my friends. Stay well. See you next week right here on The Travel Guys.